1: Bring in show music, please.
2: This is SquawkPod from CNBC. On today's episode, IBM, eBay, Amazon, Google, TikTok, the layoffs in tech just keep coming. Employment consultant Jason Greer says AI is at play.
3: Oh, the white collar workers are in trouble.
2: Tech is shaking up its own labor market.
3: As opposed to paying somebody $200,000, $300,000 a year to do the job, I can actually use artificial intelligence to do the job that they used to be able to do.
2: And former interim speaker Representative Patrick McHenry on the push for progress in Congress as we gear up for the general election.
4: We can still do big deals, even amidst the longest general election campaign in American history.
2: Those conversations, but first, the real GDP number buoying economic spirits and Tesla's fourth quarter miss. CNBC's Phil LeBeau has the report.
1: There really wasn't a whole lot to like in this, guys, largely because of how vague they are about vehicle deliveries.
2: I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. It's Thursday, January 25th, and Squawk Pod begins right now.
1: Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue it please.
2: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Squawk Box
5: right here on CNBC. We're live from the Nasdaq Market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here we go. It's a Thursday, and if you check out the U.S. equity...
2: First up on today's podcast, a big number from the Commerce Department. GDP, the measure of all goods and services produced, increased at a 3.3 annualized rate in the last quarter of 2023.
6: Some of the numbers weren't hot, but the GDP number, 3.3 is like amazingly good, isn't it? It's very good, Joe.
2: 3.3 is a slower rate than the quarter before, but it's still better than expectations. Overall, for 2023, the economy accelerated at a 2.5% pace which is much better than what Wall Street had expected in the beginning of the year. Much of the growth this past quarter and through 2023 was driven by consumer spending. But not all the numbers were hot, as Joe said. Inflation is drifting slowly closer to the Fed's target rate of 2%, but we'll get the central bank's preferred inflation metric on Friday, so look out for that. We asked a panel of economists to react to this report on Thursday, including Joe Livornia, who was chief economist at the White House National Economic Council during President Trump's administration.
4: So I'd be careful to describe this economy as booming or blockbust or anything like that, but the GDP data by themselves, no question, look better.
2: Bharat Ramamurti was also on the panel. He was on the National Economic Council, too, although he served under President Biden. Ramamurti says the pessimism is undue, and from where he sits, we're playing down a strong recovery.
7: Real wages are up for the last several months quite quite strongly over the, over the rate of inflation. I think that that leads to a more resilient, sustainable recovery.
2: Now, real wages might be up for the last few months, but cumulatively, they've been down. And it's tough for Americans who keep feeling squeezed at the grocery store and, well, everywhere else. Our own Rick Santelli weighed in.
6: You're not going to brag about
2: the
3: economy when everything everybody buys on a day-to-day basis that makes less than about hundred grand a year is starting to continually feel it in their wallets.
2: And that's it. Stay tuned for Friday's PCE report.
5: Tesla shares under pressure after the EV company narrowly missed earnings estimates and warned that its expansion will be notably lower this year. Phil Lebeau joins us right now with more, and Phil, those words notably lower were their words, and I think that's part of the
1: concern. Yeah, uh, that's the concern, Becky. Also, most people expected—I shouldn't say everybody, but most people expected Tesla to give us some kind of a number in terms of deliveries for 2024. Instead, you got notably lower growth in 24 than in 23. So. Let's talk about the numbers first, and then let's talk about the outlook. They did miss on the top and the bottom line, but the gross auto margins, excluding the zero emission vehicle credits, they came in better than expected. 17.1 percent. The street was expecting 15.7 percent. But there's the key right there. 2024 deliveries, the company says they will be notably lower, slower growth in 24 than in 23 in terms of how much deliveries grow annually. When you look at their annual deliveries, they hit 1.8 million last year they were up 24% in 23. Go back to 22, they were up 40%. Now you're not sure how much they're going to grow in 2024. Here's Elon Musk on the conference call talking about why the slowdown is happening as they transition to the next generation vehicle they plan to build.
7: The first manufacturing location for this will be at a Gigafactory and headquarters in Austin, uh, Texas and then we'll follow that up with other locations around the world. Probably our uh, the factory we we'll built in Mexico will be second, and then we'll be looking to identify a third location, perhaps by the end of this year or early next um, outside of North America.
1: Left unsaid during the conference call was the fact that the EV market overall for all automakers, It is slowing down in terms of the rate of growth relative to what we saw in 2023. It's still growing, just not as quickly. Tesla finished 23 number one in global EV sales. But in the fourth quarter, it was topped by BYD out of China. And during the call, Elon Musk talked not just about Chinese EV companies, but Chinese automakers overall. And the fact that they are expanding rapidly around the world, they're very good. And if the world in terms of countries are not prepared with uh, trade restrictions that the Chinese are going to demolish. And those are, that's the word that Elon Musk used, demolish the competition. The energy storage business, a bright spot in the report, up 30% year over year. But there really wasn't a whole lot to like in this, guys, largely because of how vague they are about vehicle deliveries happening in 2024. How much are they going to grow?
5: I I mean, I I guess that's better than making numbers up when it's a pretty hazy outlook. Phil, we were just talking about it off camera. Joe was making the point that if you can't move Teslas, that just is indicative of the EV market overall. You saw some huge growth, some uh, pushes behind it, but this is going to be a very different year for everybody.
1: And remember, they, they have a different dynamic in terms of the Gigafactory in Shanghai and the competition that they are facing in China from the electric vehicle companies over there. And the overall market for autos in China has been slowing down. And so you have this capacity that is there that the Chinese automakers are saying, well, first of all, we got to boost our sales at home. Let's let's force others to cut their prices. And by the way, we still have extra capacity. Let's start shipping these vehicles around the world. That's what he's talking about in terms of the Chinese automakers, not just when it comes to EVs, but the overall market. Hey, Phil, are you going to
6: bring us or drive a... Yang Wang U9. Have you seen that? The the ultra EV sports car from, from BYD? I mean, they're, they're serious about I've this. I've seen is, it. Is it a good car?
7: Is
1: it, they it, are. Is it?
7: I assume that's what Elon
6: Musk be to. BYD referring is a great to. company, yeah. Joe.
1: You, can't, you cannot. You, look, I mean, everybody cool that looking. I've talked with who has spent time. Yeah, they're cool looking. And the quality is there, not just with BYD, right. but with a number of the Chinese EVs. Uh, I've been in them. In Europe, you're not you're not seeing these Chinese EVs, and you won't see them around here anytime hey, soon. Hey Phil, um, I, given the trade restrictions that we have,
7: Phil, I love the honesty. I love the honesty that Elon had on that call, which was to say, if we don't do something about tariffs, these these cars are pretty great. You're going to have to do something here. But at the same time, I'm thinking to yeah, myself, absolutely. Elon has a huge business in China. Aren't the Chinese
1: looking at him saying that? Yeah, saying what he's is, walked a very what, tight what is going on here?
5: line to this point.
1: Sure, they are looking at him. And look, you can, you know, uh, Tesla imports EVs that are made in China into North America. They're brought into Canada. Some of the, some of the uh, models that are built in China are brought into Canada and sold in Canada. We, we, we don't bring EVs built in China into the U.S., because of the trade restrictions, there's a 25% tariff, so it would make it prohibitive for a, for a company to build a vehicle or for Chinese automakers to build in China and then ship over here to the United States. But that's what he's talking about. If you don't put some of these restrictions in place, you can look around the world, and I've been in Europe. I know you guys have been in Europe. Yeah. I am sure when you guys were over at Davos, if you took an Uber, you probably were taking a Chinese vehicle. I did. They didn't let didn't. Any Last Ubers time I was in town. Europe, me and my producer <laughs> were in Chinese vehicles, all of the Ubers. Hey,
5: Phil, very quickly, you talk about BYD's quality. I'd love to get your opinion on the latest with Boeing, um, the quality issues there, what this means, how serious this yeah.
1: is. It's very serious. Look, they can't expand production until the FAA is satisfied that the culture, the safety culture at Boeing is 100% better. I mean, there's, that, that, that's being very blunt about it. The FAA is looking at, at Boeing right now and saying, You've got to do the basics of blocking and tackling a lot better than what you've been doing in the past. And it's not enough to say that we're going to put inspectors and we're going to improve things. We want to see it. We want to see proof that you are improving your safety culture. And that's why they're limiting production. That production limit, it'll be interesting to see what Boeing says next week about its guidance long-term. Remember, they plan to get up to 50 per month in terms of max production by 2025, 2026. That's also going to be driving the free cash flow target that they've set out there. I think it's $10 billion annually in 2025, 2026. Does that change now? And if that changes, that probably changes your outlook as an investor in terms of, well, okay, am I going to hang on to Boeing here and wait for it to finally kick in in terms of the free cash flow? This is a significant move by the FAA. Hey,
6: hey, hey, Phil, I saw conflicting things yesterday. Who, who assembled the fuselages? I, I, I saw some stories that it wasn't Spirit. That that Boeing had actually put the the plug back on some of the. That fusel- was a report
1: out of the Seattle Times that the the work on the the door plug in question on the Alaska Airlines plane, Boeing. the one that was ripped off, is that not true? It was the that. Well, the NTSB has not made a final determination. Uh, we reached out to Boeing. Boeing says it has no comment while the NTSB investigation is going on. It was crazy. Look, it said that Dave the Calhoun bolts were le-
6: and- the, ba- the bolts were left off. It said not just not tightened, and that Boeing had had Correct. messed
1: up. the But that, Joe, Joe, we should point out that was that report was based on an anonymous whistleblower uh, report, uh, a whistleblower anonymous, single sourced. I mean, yeah. it, it, could it be true? Did, Possibly, yeah. yeah. But we're waiting to see what the NTSB okay. says.
6: All right. As long as we characterize it like that. But it, it was out there. I saw yeah. I was like Yes, that was the Seattle it, Times report.
1: And, okay. and, and look, it, it may be that that's ultimately the case. We will probably hear from the NTSB as firm, in terms of like a, a tentative findings of the investigation. My guess is probably sometime in the next few weeks, they will come out with some type of tentative findings. That's not the final root cause of everything. But that's likely what we're going to see. But the Elias Air guy is definitely not happy. The CEO. I don't blame him. Would you be happy? No. You take a brand new plane and then you're sitting at, have you seen the interview with him? He's sitting at dinner and then he sees pictures of a chunk of the plane ripped off. How the heck does a door plug blow out midair at 16,000 feet? When I found out it was a Max 9 and only 10 weeks out of the factory, I knew we needed to make a swift decision. And which is why I decided to run the Max with just... Within a few hours. I'm more than frustrated and disappointed. I am angry. A brand new plane. A brand
5: new plane for two months has been right. And now they're saying go back and check yeah. all the bolts and the sliders. And uh, yeah, that's like self-assembly. I don't know. Phil, thank you. In
7: yesterday's State of the City address, New York Mayor Eric Adams announcing the city's declared social media a public health threat.
4: We also need to protect yeah. our students from harm online, including the growing dangers presented by social media. Companies like TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Book are fueling a mental health crisis by designing their platforms with addictive and dangerous features. We cannot stand by and let big tech monetize our children's privacy and jeopardize their mental health.
7: Mayor Adams calling on state and federal lawmakers to do more to curb what he called predatory practices of some social media companies. He said the city would treat social media like other health hazards. I don't know. You know, my kids are now teenagers. And, and it's like an... Eco- not it's all like, of them. Not all of them yet. But it's like an epidemic in my house now. It is. And I don't think I appreciated the, the challenges and problems that social media can create. Really. This is...
5: I, I, this is no, what I, you I, know I,
7: about too, and you can't know everything. Well, that's a whole separate
6: issue. But this yeah.
5: is—I mean, this is something I've been upset about for a long yeah. time. However, I think New York City probably has bigger issues that they're facing at well, that's the moment. for sure. This is a, a sleight of hand for him. I'm bothered that Congress has not done anything to protect children from this front. It's been a long time coming. Right. It's the bullying. It's the, uh, the, the the way you feel about your body. Uh, you know, body image issues that go with all of these things. The bullying is too. Teenage
6: boys. I don't even want to think uh, of what I'd be
5: if you had it when you were a teenager? Yes. Yes. I, it, but I do think New York City has a right. lot of bigger issues.
6: I'd be more is, screwed up than screwed. I already am. I think more warped.
5: It's a national a problem, though. Yeah. I think it needs to be dealt with at the and national it,
6: it, level. It, 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 I, I don't, like, I didn't immediately say that's ridiculous, yeah. what the mayor just said. I, I didn't say that, or it's... Because
7: I don't think it is ridiculous. Or I a, do a, think it's, by na- the Or, problems, or, or but, nanny state
6: know. or anything like that. It's, I, I mean, I sort of, I sort of feel it. That.
5: IN POLITICAL NEWS, A SOURCE TELLS CNBC THAT BILLIONAIRE Reed HOFFMAN DOES NOT PLAN TO GIVE ANY MORE MONEY TO NIKKI HALEY'S PRESIDENTIAL CAMPAIGN AFTER HER LOSS IN THE NEW HAMPSHIRE PRIMARY. HOFFMAN REPORTEDLY GAVE $250,000 TO A PRO-HALEY super, SUPER PAC LAST YEAR. HE has SAID THAT HE'S A SUPPORTER OF PRESIDENT BIDEN, BUT BELIEVED HALEY HAD THE BEST CHANCE OF BEATING FORMER PRESIDENT TRUMP IN THE REPUBLICAN PRIMARY CONTEST. <laughs> Other fundraisers told CNBC yesterday that they planned to speak out publicly in support of Haley, but weren't convinced that they'd be able to raise much money for her campaign because of her losses in the first two nominating contests. It, 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 it's fine.
6: People can have. I understand why people have just the most strongest hysterical TDS, but I, I read what he said. He actually said. There's two elections involving Trump. And in, since we got two, I want to do all I can with both to make yep. sure that he never gets anywhere near. The, so just from the outside chance that Nikki Haley could actually win to, to knock him out there, he was giving money. Uh, and then, again, he'll give, I'm sure, during the, the general election. But he had two chances to stop him. and He was not a Nikki Haley supporter.
5: No, no, it's nice he, was, to have he, a was, he was open about that, too. <laughs> yeah,
7: I know, it's funny. Well, but this is why, you know, Barry Diller was a supporter of Chris Christie. No, I don't. Yeah. Why? I don't. And, and by the way, I think he actually genuinely liked Chris Christie, but he, yeah. he liked also Chris Christie because Chris Christie had made his right. campaign about trying to undermine former President Trump. Exactly.
5: Separately, the United Auto Workers Union is endorsing President Biden for re-election. UAW President Sean Fain announced that decision yesterday at a union conference in Washington, D.C., Back in May, Fain said the union would withhold an endorsement for Biden until concerns about the industry's transition to all-electric vehicles were addressed. Um, but yeah, yesterday, very strong words in support of President Biden. And this
0: choice is clear. Joe Biden bet on the American worker while Donald Trump blamed the American worker. I'm proud to stand up here with your international executive board and announce that the UAW is endorsing Joe Biden for president of the United States.
2: Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, we're heading into the general election, but there's legislative gridlock in Washington. Chairman of the House Financial Services Committee, Representative Patrick McHenry, and the House's interim speaker between Speakers McCarthy and Johnson, spoke to us on the push and pull of getting deals done.
4: We have a moment right now where congressional leaders need to understand you should not fear the deal. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn
2: more, go to JaniceHenderson.com.
0: From their innovative practice facility
2: Welcome back to Squawk Pod.
6: Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. The the last hour of Thursday might be, that might be the best. The best time, the Nader. Don't you think? Is Nader top or bottom? I think it's top, is it? It's top isn't. Yeah. It? I think that might be it, because tomorrow's Friday.
5: And that's way too close to Monday.
6: Too close to Monday. Yep. We're not done. But we're almost, you know, but we love being here with you, all of us together. Our next guest was interim speaker following the ousting of a former speaker Kevin McCarthy and has announced he won't be seeking re election in 2024. Uh, joining us now, Congressman Patrick McHenry, chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. Don't, it's, You know, you got a ways to go. So you're, 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 I got another year. Yeah, yeah you do, yet. and you still got constituents uh, that, that you need to look out for their interests. What does that entail in terms of crypto? What, what does that mean you need to do?
4: Well, I've got uh, look. When the House basically attempted to commit political suicide, Republicans in the House tried to commit political suicide in the fall. It gummed up. Three or four months of House floor action so i 've got major policies in capital formation data privacy and crypto that we haven 't moved across the House floor and I intend to get those moved across the house floor this year we can still do big deals um, we can still do big deals even amidst the longest uh, presidential campaign general election campaign in American history we can still get these things done and build consensus and I think there 's a need uh, for market structure on on crypto the the recent um
6: ETF and watching the, the SEC chair sort of kicking and screaming, really, after you know, the, the courts said one thing and is that that's no way to run a railroad, is it? I mean, no. assume we, assume no, it's an rig- aptitude, and they,
4: they went kicking and screaming after the, the courts demanded they take this action. Now you have more legitimate money coming in, flowing into to crypto, uh, some structure being provided to a new asset class that uh, you know, has its problems and needs, needs some clarity under federal law to, to remedy it. But what you see out of Gensler, he's got 62 rulemakings he intends to do this year. You have this backdrop of regulatory policy for this administration that is problematic for them, and they're having a hard time rebranding what their economic policy is to the point where they're sending administration officials out to try to convince the American people that what they feel, they should not actually feel. Right. Um, and that's a tough thing uh, in, a, in a political year. Well, I've watched, you know, we, we can take this interview
6: wherever you want to go, the, the crazy eight, and, and I don't know whether what Speaker Johnson's future looks like. I don't know how we fund um, Ukraine and the border, and there's all kinds of, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. People are, are there's histrionics and backflips try, trying to get this done. But I will they do stick to a message. I'm talking about Democrats with this immigration. I've watched KGP, or KG, yeah, the, the president's press secretary say it's Republicans' fault because of that supplemental. There was, We were going to hire a few more border people. So it has nothing to do with President Biden. And I watched Chris Coons say the same thing yesterday, that, that Republicans, it's all Republicans' fault, the poorest border down there, because you didn't. The Senate
4: didn't take up or did not vote on on that supplemental. So let's support. unpack that. That's two questions. Let's start with the border, because right. I think that is a powerful issue. It's a powerful issue for the American people. Uh, those those border states and then interior states are experiencing, and this city is experiencing something that uh, that uh, that under the, the Trump administration uh, they wouldn't have talked the same game, and so. The politics have shifted because the experience is different for the American people. And this is a political problem for the Democrat president running for election. So they've come to the table on border policy. Now, we don't know the full contents of what they're talking about in the Senate, so I'm not going to prejudge them Do
6: they that. want to close the border or do they want to process more people? What, did you see how many getaways there are
4: every, what is it, every day? That's impossible. Well, 800 a day. They think they? it's dollars. They withheld the dollars during the Trump administration. and that. Was not what stopped the flow of uh, the southern border. It was the Remain in Mexico policy that was the powerful driver. And then saying, if you come here, we'll send you back. And that's presidential leadership and a change of policy. It's not really large dollars that we're talking about here. So that's where the Democrats are off kilter. The, are here. they only is there a
5: negotiating a position for Ukraine? Is meet, this all to meet on that idea of not dollars, but just the idea of the message you're going to send
4: out? The, what I'm the hearing from the Senate is that they don't, still don't get that message. This is not 50 complex ideas. It's a two or three policy changes right. and a small amount of dollars because there is a humanitarian piece to this that is I real. Sense. You have human lives at stake. Human dies every day. But, but, but we have a moment right grounds. now where congressional leaders need to understand you should not fear the deal. You should get as much good in public policy as your time Okay, that's exactly it. The idea that nobody wants to give the other
5: side a win, I think, is what has gotten to us this this horrific position. Logical people can find 30
4: years on immigration policy of that very dynamic. But
7: unless I'm misunderstanding, there was a report this morning, Punchbowl, Jake Sherman, suggesting that Mitch McConnell made made, uh, made some comments that effectively said, we need to separate, we need to, you know, he was in, in for Ukraine and border and everything together. Right. And effect, effectively, he's now saying, we need to separate it out. Former President Trump is gonna be our candidate. He wants to make immigration the central issue and therefore
5: but he, and i don't think he wants much to get done on this front
7: right and he wants nothing that no but that's the point but, it, and it and it's it's a, it's a political chairman, it, it becomes a political here's, story here's, if, if here's, true here's, if i'm reading the Sherman story properly and understanding what mitch mcconnell is saying if it's, if it's reported accurately it effectively now suggests truly that politics is playing a role in this that is oh, even no <laughs> no but i mean at a level that is right. is, is is even worse than say, in the past right
4: there's gambling at this casino i mean yeah. come on it's, but there's politics but none of us should be happy about that no and actually even though that, it's a reality i recognize that it. is that is a couple of th- mismanagements uh in november and december have led to these ramifications in, in january to march and so we should have gotten this done before christmas this should have been done before Christmas. The dynamics were uh the same, the equities were the same, the politics a little bit better before before coming up on Super Tuesday right. or what we saw in New Hampshire and in Iowa. So getting it done beforehand was better. The political dynamics of the push and pull on policy still the same. So take the deal fast, get it over with, move on, and we can go fight it out like people normally fight it out. The the key issue here though is are we gonna take a win a policy win that republicans have sought for 20 years to make things better Mm -hmm. the democrats are saying we can't be very specific so we need to hand this over to the executive branch to implement fully well that's implementation question for president biden or president trump and candidate trump should see that he could use those executive functions and do a better job at the southern border than Biden and you can still have the fight about immigration. And the American people don't believe that uh, Biden is tough on immigration, and they believe Trump is tough on immigration. Right. So the issue doesn't change. Can I ask you a question? Are you a supporter
7: support? are you a supporter of a supporter of President Trump if in fact he becomes a nominee?
4: But I haven't I haven't played I haven't played in this zone. I, I've had a pretty complicated twenty twenty three. No I know. And uh, and, I'm re- and I'm retiring I'm from mean, Congress. But what what we just saw But you made some New comments Hampshire after I, January
7: sixth if you go back and,
4: and rewind the tape. You, and I stand you. by every word I said. And I, but I've, I'm a Republican, I want Republicans to win. So that's a complex thing, it's a difficult thing. I think the rule of law and, a, and the constitutional res, restraints in our society are massively important, more important than who gets elected. And that's what I'm gonna uphold no matter what. Uh, but you know, he, is, he is the de facto nominee. Um, we are now in a long general election with the American people having, but do,
7: isn't there some part of you that says that that you could vote independently of, of what has become a, a, a by the way a cult on both sides? Meaning the idea the idea that people say, whoever the nominee is on my side, it's like a religion. Whoever the nominee it, is on it, my it, side, I just it, vote if for. If it's a binary uh, choice, and that's fine, well, that's well, fine. What for you write you it. To have it that, you write in Ronald roll? Reagan. He's he's but not. Available. No, no. But by the way, I think there are, there are Democrats. Who are unhappy with President Biden? Who know, feel but, that President Hold on. Who feel that President Biden is too old and and do and disagree, a whole host of things? A, do you disagree. You disagree. It's a binary choice. Who? Do I disagree that it's a binary? It's, yes. It is binary,
6: but it's a I binary think, choice. But you I you have think a that choice of Biden or, or Trump, and he if he I he's a Republican.
7: Want, so well, no, no. But what I'm saying is, I you think know, there are Democrats where candies here's the and nuts. My grandmother this, would be my the, grandfather. The distinction but. I'm trying to make is you have you have a number of, frankly, high-profile Democrats who are now trying to support. Um, Nikki Haley. I don't, I, we don't know whether she has a chance of, of, of becoming the nominee, but I'm saying there's an independent... have an idea whether she does.
6: <laughs> She's a down sense, 30 points in, in South there's Carolina. A sense
7: of indep- there's some sense of independent thought beyond this sort of religious, cultish approach to whoever is in the seat gets the okay, get you the choice. Democrat, Democrats
6: should start first and not, not vote for someone who, four years from now, is not going to know With Kamala Harris waiting, why don't you start first in in voting your conscience and not, don't take the binary choice. Pick somebody else right in
4: uh, Marvel. This is like my two dads fighting over me. So, but but, but back to this point what has Biden done to show that he's going to moderate? Candidate Biden, Senator Biden, very different than the governing functions of this administration. They went to the progressive left on spending to ameliorate Bernie Sanders. They went to progressive left on regulatory policy and economic policy, regulatory policy to uh, assuage the progressive left. What the hell is that in? What is there in there for a a reasonable person to look at? The performance here is terrible. Economic performance is terrible. The spending is right. way too high. So the I, I the think regulation the, I think is the, out of the I progressive the, I think the question so think, is, look, I think there's a not a moderate
7: administration. No, Look, I think, I think there's a lot of things that you can be critical about in fairness about this administration. No question. No question. Having said that, I think there's a question, and you raised it yourself after January 6th, as did so many other uh, Republicans, as did, frankly, virtually every single major name that worked in that in the, in, the, in the Trump point, administration. But you're just
6: making a point that you think Trump's worse than Biden. And on the other side, they think I, Biden's I worse than Trump. I, but, I'm well, asking, but I'm allowed to opinion. ask the question. It's just your
5: opinion when you've hated yes. Trump for six years. I I'm not happy about it either. Chairman McHenry, let me ask you about something else. Just oh, getting back to the, to, the, <laughs> but, to the year you had in 2023, The Speaker right now, how much support does he have? Does he get in trouble if he cuts a deal down the road? Does he wind up in the same position? Are you going to be back in the position of having to gavel this?
4: Uh, The Speaker has got the unanimous support of the House Republicans on the House floor. That's a major statement. He should govern and go. He should not fear the deal, he should go. He should not delay because people are yelling at him, and some are, that's their negotiating tactic. That's been the way a number of these policymakers have tried to achieve their goals, ineffectually. Um, so we should not fear the deal. The slowing down, we're in the toughest piece of legislating, uh, political legislating, um, second toughest, I would say. After negotiating the debt ceiling, you have the frame for how government spending is gonna work. Go cut the deal, get it done far better to get it done yesterday than tomorrow, and the politics get better for House Republicans and Republicans generally, once you're done with that. So you
5: want strong leadership.
4: Yes, go, don't fear the deal. And the faster you can get done with that, the faster we recede in Washington, and the focus becomes on this what I would say is a binary choice, mm-hmm. economic performance of this administration, national security, domestic security situation. And those are gonna be the three major debates of, of this political year. Right. And then guys like me can come on and talk about boring policy right? Uh, early, yeah. early in the show and, and, and yet more and, interesting people late in the show.
2: Next on SquawkPod, IBM, eBay, Google, Amazon, the layoffs just keep coming in the tech sector. Career consultant Jason Greer discusses AI's impact on the labor market and on higher education.
3: If we could retool the way that we look at college, we could retool the way that colleges are basically doing this cash crunch on students that want to come to college, I think we could still utilize college for what it should be, and that's teaching people how to think.
2: You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross-Sorkin. Here's Andrew.
7: IBM and eBay are the latest tech companies announcing layoffs. Google, Amazon, and others announced cuts earlier this month. Joining us right now is Jason Greer, founder and president of Greer Consulting Group. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, we have thank seen you. this wave of layoffs, Jason. I'm, I'm, I wonder whether you think these are idiosyncratic, whether you think this is the beginning of a wave. Uh, Whether you think that companies are are just coming to the realization that they have been bloated. I mean, a lot of people talked about the bloat during the pandemic and then felt like they couldn't uh, lay people off during that period. How do you assess this?
3: I think that the market rewards layoffs. I also think the fact that there is there is a certain amount of bloat that happened, especially after COVID, well, during COVID where companies overhired. But I think there's something else at play. Artificial intelligence is really at play here. When you really look at the numbers of people that are being uh, restructured or being laid off, you're looking at a lot of white-collar jobs. But especially, and I'm going to speak directly to my human resources folks, 28% of the layoffs that have happened have been in human resources, largely in the fact that artificial intelligence has made the automation of those jobs to the point where you no
7: longer need those human resources professionals. So you think AI has already hit the business effectively?
3: Oh, absolutely absolutely especially in the tech sector I mean they've been talking about it for years now in the fact that you have more companies moving toward artificial intelligence and they're looking at the fact that as opposed to paying somebody 200 hundred three hundred thousand dollars a year to do the job
7: I can actually use artificial intelligence to do the job that they used to be able to do so what does this portend I mean do you think that we're going to start to if you, if you looked at the fortune 500 would you think we're going to mm-hmm. see 10 percent 20 percent layoffs I mean in terms of Total numbers of employees at these companies over the next, call it, two or three years. What, that, what does that yes. look like to you?
3: Probably about 10% of the uh, workforce is going to be laid off, especially when the fact that, again, the market rewards it. But that's just sort of the trend that we see ourselves going down.
7: Are there certain, I mean, we've talked about also the protected jobs. We still, there are certain types of jobs. Oddly enough, people thought that blue-collar workers were going to lose their jobs first. Uh, now it may very well be the white-collar workers.
3: Oh, the white collar workers are in trouble. Let's talk about blue collar workers. And I'll say this and I say it again. That's why we need to start investing more money into trade schools. We need to start sending students into trade schools because blue collar jobs are where it's at. White collar jobs on the other case, especially in middle management, sales along the lines those are the jobs that are being eradicated because people don't want to continue to pay the salaries for things that either artificial intelligence can do, or instead of hiring five people to do that job, I can cut it down to two. And so I know that they'll do the work of five people.
7: How concerned though, are you about, you know, there was a whole period of time. Everyone said, you got to be an engineer. Everybody needs, everybody needs an engineering degree. Everybody poured into engineering. Now you're talking about AI effectively taking those engineering jobs. Now, you and others are saying, hey, everybody's got to get, everyone's got to get reskilled so they can do a blue collar job. Well, you know, if Elon Musk has his way, he's going to have robots doing a lot of these jobs very soon. And you're Absolutely. starting to see more and more of this. So in terms of trying to skate where the puck is or isn't, well, what would you really do?
3: I would take a look at what the market is rewarding. And right now the market is still rewarding. Let's be honest, the market is still rewarding technical skills. The market is rewarding Um, technology, it's rewarding coding, it's rewarding those kinds of things. I think ultimately, though, people need to take a look at the fact that corporations will utilize your skill set when they need you and they will get rid of your skill set when they don't need you. So what I will tell people is invest in your side hustle, whatever the case might be. If you want to create your own job, you want to create your own business. That's what you do, because if you're going to go into the market thinking that corporations are going to take care of you, they're just not because there's no reason for them to do so. What do you think about
7: a college degree? We, I love. We, we told degree. the American public for the last 50 years, if you get a college degree, it's going right. to help you immensely. And I think there's a lot of people who feel like that was uh, a myth.
3: I'm speaking to you as somebody who has three college degrees, a bachelor and two master's degrees. I think that college is still where it's at because you don't go to college to get a job. You go to college to learn how to think. But on the other side of that, these colleges and universities need to stop charging $800,000 a year just so somebody can get a degree only for them to come out making $17.50 an hour. It doesn't work. But again, if we could retool the way that we look at college, we could retool the way that colleges are basically doing this cash crunch on students that want to come to college. I think we could still utilize
7: college for what it should be. And that's teaching people how to think. Jason, I always appreciate uh, your perspective on all of it. And uh, it's a little bit of a scary one right now. Thank you. We'll get it. Thank you.
5: The California college system, university system right now, they're on strike. So you're paying for your kids to be out there
7: living in a dorm. And there's no classes. paying tuition
5: there's no classes they have homework they're teaching themselves like, oh. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me they're in school for seven and a half months out of the year anyway and they're on strike right now
6: similar during the pandemic no one got refunds. no one got any <coughs> refunds for any of the pandemic. stuff that
5: happened so now you've got the same kids who were dealt with the shortages during the pandemic where they weren't actually taught who are now being sitting through strikes where they're not being taught
6: could be worse you could actually be in classes at some of those ivy league schools <laughs> which would be even worse than,
7: like, Harvard.
2: That's the podcast for today. Thank you for tuning in. You can tune into SquawkPod anytime, as long as you follow us wherever you're listening now, and turn on your downloads. We distill the best of our three-hour TV broadcast, Squawk Box, which is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew ross Orkin. weekday mornings on CNBC, starting at 6 a.m. Eastern. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow.
3: And we are clear, thanks guys.
0: From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway.